Ephesians chapter 4. Had a great time uh, at the men's retreat with uh, about 13 of us uh, from the church over there. Listening to Ken Graves talk about being a man. And that's not even close to how awesome he talks. I had the privilege of uh, standing in front of about 450 men in Ken Graves and actually doing my impression of him, and I lived to tell about it, and uh, so anyways, it was rough, it was rough. Uh, so uh, hey, Ephesians 4, 7 is where we're at. We're going to look through verse 16, and uh, why don't you stand with me, and I'll read it over us as we bow our hearts before the word of God. Ephesians 4, Seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Oh Lord, this is um, really such a strong purpose statement for the church, for your design, for local body ministry. And just even before we began Ephesians here at the church, just so long for us to grasp this section of scripture and to step into all that you've provided for us, all that you've gifted for us. And and Lord, there's just no doubt we have, have far to go and much to grow in determining our gifts and walking in them for the edification of the body, God. And so Lord, we just pray that even today, the gifts that you have available to distribute, you would do as you will, that you would encourage men and women who for so long have felt they've had no purpose, no place, they have felt worthless, have felt like maybe they are just obsolete, and and Lord, that today would be a day where you just lift them up and show them the great things that you have for them. Lord, I just feel like I just can't even begin to express all that you want to express today. And so I just step back, God, and I say, here, this pulpit is yours. This mouth is yours. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Of course, 
Seems like we're taking a while to get through Ephesians chapter 4. You know, uh, I spoke two weeks ago from Ephesians 4, and uh, the Lord just had such a strong word of exhortation uh, for unity for us. And then uh, Aaron filled in for me uh, for Thanksgiving break, and um, I listened to Aaron's teaching as I was uh, around my house this week, and Man, what a powerful word from one of the pastors at this church. I just, probably one of the most powerful teachings I've ever heard him uh, speak. And so as you would uh, listen to it, if you haven't already, get online and download the podcast. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, I, I was struggling because I just really felt strongly that, man, the Lord had something for us in 7 through 16. And, and Aaron, part of his text was this 7 through 16. And yet the Lord again used him to really push and press just unity, the unity that God has for this local body and, and how in that unity he's given us leaders to help bring about right doctrine and right truth, that we wouldn't just be children tossed to and fro, every wind of doctrine, we're going this way, we're going that way, and then we're leaving, and then we're, you know, but that the Lord would bring about unity through his purpose and plan uh, of the gospel, of leadership and roles that he's given us, and just a great message from Aaron. He also spent good time reminding us of the gospel of chapters 1 through 3 and how all of that moves us into practical outworking of the gospel in chapters 4 through 6. So we're not going to dive deep into that again this week. We're really going to look at verses uh, 7 through 16 with an emphasis in that the body of Christ is an every member ministry. The local church in Calvary Chapel of Crook County is an every member ministry. In other words, you have your part to play. All of the unity that we've been looking at the last two weeks is enriched by the diversity of the gifts that God has given us to use in the local church setting. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, but to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I know you got your Bibles out this morning. It would be good to bring a pen with you, maybe a piece of paper, and write down the things that the Lord speaks to you. And if you've got a pen or some sort of way to underline or remember this phrase, each one of us, each one of us who have been called saints as Paul addresses this book to the saints in Ephesus, those that we have learned are are elected and predestined and adopted and given an inheritance according to the good pleasure of his will. All of these wonderful gospel things that we have read in the last many weeks of Ephesians, for those that would say, that's me, I'm a saint by the grace of God, well then each one of you saints has been given grace. You've been given gifts. You've been given charis in the Greek. Gifts and kindness, the goodwill of God granted to you. You know, Jesus is a God who gives gifts. He bestows good things. Jesus tells parables of of a master who would give talents giving out talents, and we'll come to that parable a little bit later on, but the way that he gives and the way that he is gracious 
to the saints, you'll notice, is according to the measure of Christ's gift. When I read my Bible, I have all sorts. I'm just a visual person. I have all kinds of different colors and codes for things as I'm reading through on my electric Bible or, you know, in the past I had pens and highlighters and things and just anything that has to do with God's heart for the nations and the globe giving him glory, it's all green, just to remind me of the earth, you know, and and so it's all green and just the glory of God, the nations will praise him. Anything that has to do with Jesus and what he's done for us in the Old Testament or the New. It's purple for his royalty, you know. Uh, Anything that has to do, Rory, this is for you today. It's blue. You know, my favorite color, in case you're wondering, you know. Uh, And anything that has to do with warnings or judgment or God's hot displeasure, it's red. But anywhere in my readings where I see just the grace and the kindness and the gift of God, it's pink. I don't know why, but it's pink. And so here in my notes, it's, it's pink today. That God has given grace to each one. So first thing you need to know, and we're going to get into this a little bit. If you're a saint here, then you have been given grace. You've been given gifts. And that gift is in line with This measure of the Messiah's gift to us. What was the measure of Christ's gift? Earlier on in Ephesians, Paul says, Oh, that you might know the love of Christ. That you might know the height and the depth and the width and the length and the breadth. What is the measure of his gift, of Jesus' gift? It is high. It's a high gift, and Paul goes on to show us how great a gift it is. Look in verses 8, 9, and 10. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And so the measure of Christ's gift begins with him descending. Starts out, he ascended. Well, if he ascended, then he must have descended. And oh, he did descend. There was a great condescension of the second person of the Trinity when he draped himself in flesh. When he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me, behold, it is written in the book, in the volume of the book it is written of me, that I delight to do your will, O God. And as he came to do the will of the Father, he descended, he condescended to the womb of Mary. Rory, why can't we do some sort of Advent? Or why can't we do some sort of Christmas messages throughout December? There you go. It's right there. He who ascended first descended. Okay? There you go. The immaculate conception. The hypostatic union. That God became flesh and dwelt among us. And from the womb, he eventually made it to the tomb. 
descending to Mary's womb, he then grew and was rejected by his brothers and his own creation. He was slaughtered on the cross and he was buried in the ground. From the womb to the tomb. And from the tomb to Sheol, the abode of the dead. But from Sheol, he came up from the grave up into heaven and ascending even more to the right hand of the Father. And so in Jesus' death, burial, and descent into Hades, not to be punished and go to hell for us, but to preach victory to the captives and truth to those who reject, he then ascended in resurrection and subsequent vindication as a great gift who's in the business of giving gifts. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. John Stott reminds us that what conquerors took from their captives, they would then give away to their own people. The spoils were divided and the booty was shared. And so as Jesus rose in victory, he came back from the battle distributing gifts to his people. It's an interesting concept that we studied in the Psalms not too long ago. Jesus descending to Hades, not to say hell. But before the resurrection of Jesus, the abode of the dead, good or bad, was called Hades or Sheol. And we know from Luke 16 that Sheol was divided in half by a great chasm. And that on one side of the chasm was called Abraham's bosom. It was like a place of paradise. It was a place of waiting for the completed work of the Messiah and atonement for sins so that those souls covered over by the blood of Jesus could then enter into the holy presence of God so that now Paul the Apostle would say to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord before the throne of God. But on the other side of that great chasm was a place of torment. And we know that the rich man from the parable of Jesus in Luke 17 He was so tormented and so thirsty that he begged someone from the other side of the chasm, Lazarus specifically, who'd been neglected by the rich man his whole life, dip your finger in some water and just touch it to the tip of my tongue that I might have some relief. And remember he said, I I can't, we're separated by this great chasm. Peter adds a little bit to this when he says that Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And Peter tells us, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient. And so he went and he preached truth. And when he ascended, he led captivity captive. When he ascended, he then spent 40 days demonstrating himself to be alive in front of over 500 people by many infallible proofs. And as he was continuing to ascend, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is also called the gift of the Spirit. So what I love about the gospel is that it is the gift that keeps on giving. 
What a gift, you know, the shepherds thought as Jesus was there in the manger in Bethlehem. What a gift. And then the, get, the gift kept living and giving and healing and delivering and being kind and feeding. And oh my goodness, you know, couldn't have done anything better for people. And then the gift willingly offered himself up as in a sacrifice for sin. His blood being shed to atone for our iniquities that we might be washed whiter than snow. What a gift. Buried in the tomb, oh, the gift is over, wrong. Even in his burial, he's preaching and he's causing gifts to take place. Even in his resurrection, he's giving gifts. Even in his ascension, he's giving gifts. Even as he's at the right hand of the Father, he's giving gifts as he's ever living to make intercession for us. He's the giver of gifts as he himself is the gift. And he's given gift to you, saints, according to the measure of all of that. So if all of that seems pretty big and largo to you, it is. And he's got more that he's given each one of you. Tell me more, Rory. Oh, do tell. If you're not excited about, like, I got some gifts coming my way at Christmas time, like, here it is. All right? I don't want to brag, but one of the great gifts are your pastors. <laughs> to some, they make out like bandits. Others, you kind of get like, we ran out of money at the end of Christmas time and you guys get Rory and, you know, yeah, right? I don't blame you. But look in verse 11. In this giving, in this great measure of gift giving, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets. So that was, those were gifts to the church. Apostles, meaning the original 12 eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection. Prophets, those who spoke forth the word of God in authority. Uh, back in chapter 2, it says that the church is built upon the foundation of, of these men, these apostles and prophets. And now it looks different. Now we don't have the same sent out type men as, as we're referring to here in this chapter. Now our apostles are more missionaries, but they don't have that same authority in the church, in the office, in the same role that uh, Paul is speaking of here. And same with the prophets. We don't have that same, thus saith the Lord type prophecy today. Okay, I'm not saying that the gifts died away with the deaths of the apostles or anything like that. I'm saying it's different. A New Testament gift of prophecy is different than the Old Testament office going up through uh, the early church stage. Okay, but uh, And then what we do see, though, is that what continues on is this gift of evangelist. These are men and women gifted with making the gospel particularly plain and relevant to unbelievers. These are men and women who help scared, timid people take the plunge into relationship with Jesus through effective personal witnessing and sharing the good news with them. And there still is today a great need for gifted evangelists who will exercise that gift and go to penetrate vast, unreached people groups with the message of Jesus and the gospel. One guy we see in scripture, his name was Philip the Evangelist. 
And he was a guy that helped bring revival in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And then he was led down to the deserts and, and he preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he spoke to this man in a way that just brought the light of the gospel to bear on his soul. And the man said, uh, you know, man, I, I believe with all my heart what you're saying, that Jesus is the Christ. Here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? We see Philip the evangelist with a very effective ministry. Many of us know men and women with that same ministry today. What a gift they are. And then that gift continues with those pastors and teachers. And it's interesting, the word and is used uh, two different times in this verse. And in this case, it means pastors who are also teachers. As, as a qualification for elders or bishops or overseers, pastors, shepherds. It's all the same uh, office, words used interchangeably to describe that function in the church. But these are gifted and qualified men who have the ability to teach. Pastor speaks of shepherding or tending or ranching. And I feel that in the same way that the Lord brought Peter and James and John from being fishermen to being fishers of men, that God took me out of a ranching lifestyle to be ranchers of men, shepherd of men, tenders of men. Whether it's in Acts chapter 20 or 1 Peter chapter 5 or 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see that these are men who oversee the local church people. They shepherd and they tend and they protect and they feed and they nurture and they're accountable for the flock by their boss, the, uh, the chief or first shepherd. But something wonderful about this text is that these pastors and teachers have a purpose that is, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It doesn't say here, that this wonderful gift that God has given us in accordance to the gift of the Messiah are pastors and teachers to do the work of the ministry. And I hope you're listening. This is some of the most neglected ecclesiology of the church that we have. The pastor's work is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you are a saint here, born again, partakers of the gospel of chapters 1 through 3, then God's given you gifts and grace. And within that gift and grace are leaders who will equip you and make you effective for serving the king, for serving his people. It is not the pastor's job to do every work of the ministry within the church. His task is to equip you Christians for the work of the ministry. To equip you. To get you ready. To put on the right armor. To give you the right tools. To put the right tack on. And it's just now that even this week I've kind of 
putting the final details together of planning out our next season of Equip School of Ministry. We're going to take time and terms and classes to spend with you looking like probably on Sunday mornings is like Sunday school type thing where we come together and we have classes and terms and a couple months throughout the year and we spend time making you all adequate for the work of the ministry. So be preparing for that. We've got final details to make sure it's right and how it's going to work for all of us. But look towards after we get back from Nepal, getting ready to be shod and equipped and ready for the work of the ministry. This also happens regularly on Sunday morning as the word of God is preached to you. We don't shy away from the tough stuff. You are given the stuff. Many of you already adequate for ministry. Wednesday night, we go through even harder things that pertain to oftentimes relevant issues going on in our church here and now. Many times people come to Wednesday night and I say, you guys, you know, right now, this is kind of like the equipped school of ministry. You guys are coming, it's extra time out of your week, and you're getting something that Sunday doesn't get in the sense that we're going to get more specific about what's going on and how this word is relevant to what's happening right here in all of our circles. So come on out to Wednesday night for kind of what's happening now with uh, the equipping that would take place. But in the meantime, you still need to know that if you are a Christian and Calvary Chapel of Crook County is the church that God has placed you in, you have and will receive a package of giftedness that is essential to the accomplishment of the purposes that God has plotted out for Calvary Chapel of Crook County. That's exciting. Hopefully some of you already know, I know exactly what you're talking about in my life. And yeah, and it's cool and I've been seeing it worked out and I can't wait to watch that grow and be used even more. Some of you have no clue what that is. And today is for you to stir up within you the gift God has given you. And even today, I believe he wants to give these gifts out so that you'll be effective in your part of this church being all that the sovereign God has intended it to be. And the measure that you act upon that giftedness determines the extent by which you will experience real joy in your life in Christ. Some of you are bummed and drummed and depressed, and I would submit to you that perhaps your life is out of order, that you've been living with a primary focus on yourself. Maybe Jesus is in there somewhere. And then lastly, anybody else. But it's been said that the key to real joy is J-O-Y. Jesus first, then others and your service and ministry to them. And lastly, in humility and lowliness of mind, yourself. A good friend of ours from Portland, Pastor Arta Zerdia, said, you can always identify a Christian who serves with great sacrifice they are marked out with the expression of joy. To the contrary, a joyless Christian or a dour Christian is altogether focused inward on his or herself. 
You can see this a mile away, as Erdia says. He wants you to experience the joy of servanthood. Self-absorption, to the contrary, is a barrier to authentic joy. And I want you to know the delight that comes from self-forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness. Serving others. Putting Jesus first brings extreme joy. Spurgeon's biographer, Arnold Dallimore, tells us something about the congregational life of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, where Charles Spurgeon was the pastor. He writes this, There were very few who came only on Sundays. Can I say that again? There were very few who came only on Sundays. The tabernacle was a place of almost constant activity. On each of the seven days of the week, the doors were open at 7 a.m. and they didn't close until midnight. There were people coming and going all of the time. Sunday school met in the afternoon. It was a fervent institution with well over a thousand boys and girls in attendance and something like 100 teachers. On Sunday evenings, the numbers of tabernacle people who were out conducting meetings amounted to at least a thousand. And Spurgeon remarked, the tabernacle was like a hive of bees. And for the mass, vast majority of its people, to be a member meant to live a very busy life. Is that something that marks your life? Hive of bees for Calvary Chapel of Crook County? Very busy life for Calvary Chapel of Crook County? It's always cool when I drive by the church and it's night and I see the lights on and I see cars parked out and people are serving and ministering and it's, life is continuing here throughout this church, even in the wee hours of the night. A hive of bees. All of this, the equipping of the saints and the work of the ministry, it has an end goal. Verse 13 of our text today says, It's till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. This body life, maturity in the faith, being equipped for the work of the ministry, will lead to unity within the church. It will lead to maturity within the church. It will lead to a being connected to Jesus, the head of the body. Four things to just notice quickly of the body life is that we have an authority over us. There is a head. Our life starts from the top down. It was an incredible part of the message yesterday from Ken Graves as he talked about the centurion who had a servant that was like on death's doorstep. And when that centurion went to Jesus, he said, Hey, I know how it is. I am a man 
of authority, but I'm also under authority. Just a great word to us that anywhere that we have authority, it's not that we're the king of kings. We are always to be men who are submitted to someone else. We are to be under authority. I'm under authority. You're to be under authority. The centurion was under authority. Even Jesus, who was incredible value as God, submitted himself voluntarily to the role of the Father in his life. And so we submit ourselves to the head who is Christ. Ephesians and Colossians speak, uh, speak of this. In chapter 2, verse 19 of Colossians, we're to um, hold fast to the head from whom the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments. It grows with the increase that is from God. That ties in well with our text today about body life. But our gifts that we get from the Lord and our function within the body, the local church, is tightly based on our fastening to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. We receive the gifts as that head determines. People who are not connected to a head are unable to move, frustrated because they want to do something but can't. They're very clumsy in achieving the most simple of tasks. They have difficulty with communicating. They have slurred speech or none at all. And they're easily tired out and unable to continue in the least demanding of tasks. Now, I know this from very close experiences. My dad had a stroke when I was 19 years old. He was 47. And his entire left side of his body was paralyzed. I had to quit Bible school and come and live at St. Charles Hospital in a motorhome and take care of him and tend to his needs. And my dad, who was a three-time state champion wrestler for Henley in high school, wrestled for Washington State University, just a, a studly cowboy, you know, that you know, would, would make Clint Eastwood blush, you know, just a man's man, all of a sudden, you know, can't go to the bathroom by himself, can't feed himself, lost his swallowing reflex, can't talk. He's a doctor. He was a veterinarian. And he was brought to a state of near infancy. And as his recovery went on, he was able to finally speak again, though slurred and confused at times. He would express just the frustration because his brain, he's trying to tell his arm to work. And he just, it won't work. It won't move. It won't grip something. It's so frustrating. As he would stumble and fall and just be unable to do life's most simple tasks. Lately, I've, I don't know what my issue is. Too much salt in my diet maybe. But just a simple nap on my bed with my hands folded and my arms go numb and won't move. And I'm like, you know, maybe I can use one to kind of throw the other one down and like get some blood to it or something. And it's frustrating. I want to be able to move how I ought to be able to move. But when we're talking about church body life, any breakdown between the head and the body is caused by one thing, sin. Not trusting God. Not saying, you're right, God. 
And the way that you've said this all is to work out. Isaiah tells us that your iniquities have separated you from your God. Alistair Begg puts it, so when you meet somebody who doesn't function within the body, somebody who is not rightly related, somebody who is out of sorts, somebody who is dislocated, somewhere along the line, it is a spiritual problem and the problem ultimately is a problem of sin. The rest of what we're going to learn about body life in this chapter in 15 and 16, which I love, they're directly connected to this scripture about headship. About here at the end, that he is the head that we are connected to. And from whom, verse 16, the whole body joined and knit together. Just feel free to let just those, those charts from your anatomy book just work themselves together in your mind. You start with the head and then there's the joints and the sinews and the muscle and, the, and just the way that they are all connected together. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. Yes, this can refer to the universal church, the global body of Christ, but you'll find the best application of this illustration of body life in a local congregation, what we have here at Calvary Chapel of Crook County. The body is alive because the head is alive. One man who was alive during the great, the great Scottish revival, a preacher in that revival, wrote, What the world needs to see is this, the wonder and beauty of God-possessed personalities. Men and women with the life of God pulsating within them who practice the presence of God and consequently make it easy for others to believe in God. That's what's happening is we're connected to Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and every joint is supplying, every part is doing its share. The life of God is pulsating within our members. We're practicing the presence of God and that makes it easy for everyone else to believe in God because we are the body of Christ living it out. Notice it writes, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. This chapter so far has hammered the importance of unity within the church. Not only is there authority within the church, there's unity within the church. Unity that's not based on natural attraction, but found based on supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why this last few weeks we've been defending and developing unity. Because it's a supernatural work of what God has been doing in our church. In this unity, there is a joining of ourselves together. There's a knitting of ourselves together. There is an every joint that's joined together supplying something. 
every joint supplying something. And just as with the illustration of my dad's stroke, when one member isn't doing its part or its share, one joint is out of joint and dislocated, there's extreme pain, there's limping, there's gimping, there's inadequacy, there's improper function, there's frustration. I mean, my mind goes to those, those dolls that probably are more for educational purposes that have rubber bands running through them. And the rubber band goes from this joint through to this joint. And you know when you were playing with that and you're told not to, and it snaps off the rubber, you know, and it's like, ah, and you got one arm that's like, and this other one, you're like holding it. It's not right. It's kind of freaky. You're like, I amputated it. You know, put it back. If even a G.I. Joe loses a leg, there's a problem in the home. It's not right. And within the local church, if you're a Christian and this is your church and you've been given grace, not like, I have this little gift from God to be able to do this. That's not what it's like. Your gift is according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So it's, I have a gift, God has given to me by his grace. It is important. And when I use it, Jesus has shown up. That's what we're talking about here. So let's get rid of the, I still don't even know what my gifts are. Know what your gifts are. Like seriously, guys, this church, this is how we're walking these days. Okay? Like we got a mouth working here a little bit. Maybe, you know, certainly an Adam's apple working. Like the body's like, okay, we are certain. Okay, here's the deal. The surveys are, that the, rate, the average American church has 20% of its members doing everything and 80% doing nothing. What does a body that's 80-20 look like? Now that's silly, but a body that's 80-20 is sad, on the verge of death. May it not be so in our church. You can't claim ignorance today. I didn't know I was supposed to know. You're supposed to know. And if you've been going to this church for very long, it has been proclaimed regularly. I've been here seven years, and this is probably the tenth time I've preached in depth the gifts of the Spirit. So if you've been here for a year, you know. Don't claim ignorance. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, that Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now you can be sure that whatever Paul says don't be ignorant of, we're always ignorant of it. Whether it's the rapture of the church, whether it's God's plan with Israel, whether it's spiritual gifts, we, we can just... We're afraid. We don't know what it's supposed to look like. Or I've got other things to do. So I'm just not even going to research it. And 1 Corinthians goes on to say, there are diversities of gifts. But the same spirit. There's differences of ministries. But the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. But it's the same God who works all in all. So what we have is, there is unity. But there's also diversity. We are united in Christ. We are united by the Spirit. But that same one Spirit distributes 
a manifold kaleidoscope of colorful gifts within the church. He goes on to say, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, that the manifestation of the Spirit, do we have it uh, to read up there? If it doesn't come up, I know we've got it, but sometimes there's glitches. Get over there in your Bibles, will you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The manifest, awesome, the manifestation of the Spirit. And by the way, notice that we're talking about gifts, right? We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and here Paul calls it the manifestation of the Spirit, which basically means the Holy Spirit showing up. So your gift or gifts is the Holy Spirit showing up, and it's given to who? It's given to who? It's given to who? I'm not getting it. It's given to who? Each one for, for me or for the profit of all. As our Ephesians says, that it's so everyone can be edified. Now look, here's some gifts. Here's some gifts. We're going to look at a couple passages that list some gifts, but this is not exhaustive. But these are some gifts. One is the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Wisdom. Be somebody that we can go to for wisdom. Application of knowledge. And another is the word of knowledge. That's knowing something that no one else knows, only the Holy Spirit knows, and he reveals it to you as a manifestation of the Spirit. The word of knowledge. Wisdom. To another, faith by the same Spirit. This is a gift that is a manifestation of the Spirit. That when you look at it, I like to call it a trust thrust. It's something that the Lord is calling us to do something great. I believe it, it accompanies many of the other gifts. When it's go time to operate in those gifts, and there's like a bit of timidity, then the trust thrust comes, and there's this gift of faith to just do something like big, and like to move towards having it happen. Trusting the Lord in that. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So there's a list of gifts. It's not exhaustive. By the way, we went through these in our First Corinthians study, so if you're wondering how each one of those gifts kind of outworks and has its place in the body, listen to First Corinthians 12. But notice here, the Holy Spirit distributes to each one. Again, each one. Individually. Well, my husband's gift is, don't say it! You have a gift too. Each one of the saints has been given a gift and the Holy Spirit distributes them however he wills. That takes pride and jealousy away from our spiritual gifts because it's the sovereign Lord that knows this person needs this right now, this person can handle this right now, this person would be perfect for this right now and I'm going to distribute as I will. 
For as the body is one in unity, it is diverse in that it has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Are you catching the unity yet diversity within a local body? Within the gifts context? 1 Corinthians 12, 14 goes on to say, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. The body isn't one pastor, one person doing the work of it all. It's all of us, all of these different appendages of a body. If the foot would say, and maybe today you feel like you're the foot, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Did you catch that? The Lord set them, each one of them, just as he pleased. For if they were all one member, where would the body be? Lots to read in all of that. But jump down to verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? It's a rhetorical question because the answer is no. Not everybody does every one of these things but earnestly desire the best gifts. It's been said the best gift is the gift that is needed in that moment for that time. And then Paul goes on to say, and yet I show you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So many have missed out because they refuse to willingly and joyfully accept the gifts that God has given them. Instead, they covet the gifts that others have. You need to know that the Lord is the one that in his goodness has chosen the gift that is right and best for you. There's unity and there's diversity. There's charis, which is God's grace to us, which is the source of unity. And there's charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, the distinction of our diversity, the grace of God's gifts. Let's move on and look at just one other gift sets. Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as we have many members in the body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. So we see distinction and yet unity in the body of Christ. Let us use those things, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting is a gift, giving is a gift, and giving with liberality. Leading is a gift and leading with diligence. Mercy ministries with cheerfulness. 
Just more gifts that the Lord desires to see operating in the body. Peter gives us a few more. He says in 1 Peter 4.10, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Each one has received a gift. Now use it. Use it because you are good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There's the gift of speaking. And if you're speaking forth the word of God, you speak it and you teach it as it's the, in truth, oracles of God. If anyone ministers, do it with the ability that God provides. Now, as we are in every member ministry, and as your pastors have been equipping you for the work of the ministry, now you are to do it with the ability that God provides. Now, experience has shown one of the best ways to get rocking and rolling in this, if you even still are just like, I don't really know where I'm at, but it's been five years and I've just been sitting here. Then just hear the plea of the church saying, we need help with this and we need help with this and there's a need with this and say, I don't even know if I'm gifted in it, but it's time to get active and let's go. All I know is I'm supposed to be part of this ministry and so here I go. And more often than not, your friends and leaders will help place you where they believe you're, you'll fit best. But you go into it with the ability that God supplies. He will give you the ability as you trust in him and as you step out in faith. But there is to be good stewardship of the gifts that God's given. You remember that parable I referenced earlier of the master giving out talents. And it was a different number of talents for each different servant. And there was one servant that was just like, oh, give me one talent. You think, oh. And when time came for the master to come and receive back that talent and the, and, and the interest that came with it, just the, the servant just copped an attitude like we so often do. And the Lord said to that servant, you are a wicked and lazy servant. I'm going to take that talent from you. I'm going to give it to the one that I'd given 10 originally. And then I will cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now in that, I'm not saying, well, you were saved and now you lost your salvation or anything like that. What I am saying is God is the great gift giver according to the measure of the Messiah's gifts. It's been established in the word today that you've been given a gift. So I would caution that you not be that servant that hides his or her gift under a basket. Because there will come a day when we give an account for the stewardship of that manifold grace of God. And I believe those that have truly had that encounter with the Holy Spirit and truly been given those gifts, they will be using it and they're using them and it's like God has shown up. It is a manifestation of the Spirit. But a Christian who has no passion to serve in the local church, at the very least, we have a conflict in terms. If you're a Christian, there will be a passion. Spurgeon said it, the vigorous, healthy Christian must serve the Lord. I and serve him with gladness too because he is then obeying the instincts of his nature and God has made our instincts when we follow them to be pleasurable. 
the instincts of the new nature, when we follow them out, lead us into service. And consequently, there comes into our soul a pleasure unknown to those who are not partakers of the regenerate nature. I have said that to the Christian it is a delight to serve God, and so it is, because it exercises in him those powers which yield delight. Believing service is not the performance of work naturally irksome to us, to which we bring ourselves by effort, but Christian service is the doing of sacred duties, which to our new nature are congenial occupations, things in which we take our delights. The service of God is not to him an employment to which he would escape if he could. No, he feels it to be an intense delight and only wishes that he could be more perfectly taken up with it. Christian, delight in your giftings. It has been designed to be a, I get to serve with this, not a, I have to serve again. Worship team, come on up. As we've been entrusted with a stewardship, you've been entrusted with a stewardship. It is required of stewards that one be found faithful. Ignorance, isolation, insubordination, these are all things that will quench what the Lord wants to do in these ways. And so let's bow our hearts before our authority, the head, Jesus. Let's not isolate ourselves to where we're even a one-member church. No, we're many members in this church. And we've been trying in our leadership to establish who are part of these church. Come, let us know. Let's go through what we believe a local church is to be. And come join the membership of this church where you say, Hey, I'm in. I believe what you guys believe. And I want you to know I have these gifts and I want to be plugged in in these ways. We're not asking you to sign your life away in blood. We're asking you to say, Yeah, I agree with this. Let's do this body life. Let's move forward in maturity. As we come out of isolation, we'll move forward in unity. Let's move forward. Instead of being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, let's move forward in edifying this church. Displaying Christ and glorifying God. We at Calvary Chapel, man, we are an every member ministry. If this is your church, you've got a place here. More than just talents, which are great, but something that is a manifestation of the Spirit. And that might even be the talent. Something that when you do it, it is obvious. Man, Holy Spirit. Every time you're here, the body's edified as you do that. Every time... Christ is displayed when you do that. Have you ever been to those moving parties and it's like, yeah, I'm here because there was the need. You know, and, and I never really knew how to lift right, so my back's like, oh, lift with your legs. I don't know how to do that. You know, you know and, and then that guy shows up to the moving party, you know, and he's got his little strap things on his arms, so that he, you know, and he's got like the forearm forklifts as seen on TV, you know, and he's got a truck with a trailer and he even like pulls out this weird, you know, like this guy's there and he's like, I'm here to help. 
and he cracks his neck and then he just like all of a sudden everyone's moving and there's like direction and the truck is all organized and and everyone's like praise god jim bob showed up this was going to take three days but just imagine that in in every part of a church where there's just things happening and there's arms that are like one fingered out there right now like we're trying to serve but we've got one finger you know it's like come on rest of the fingers come on help us I made a list a little while ago and I revisited it recently and I just titled this list your part to play and these are just some needs that we've got By the way, I've asked people to take care of some of these, but you know who I've asked? Guys that already have a thousand things on their list for the church, and they still haven't gotten done, and it's not these people's fault. It's that they're already serving. And there's a saying that is, everybody can't do everything. We get that. But everybody's called to do something. With the building, there's maintenance that's needed. Light bulbs need to be replaced. Air filters regularly need to be changed. If not, the compressor will freeze up and there will not be heat or cooling going on in here. Painting that needs to be done. Man, I would just encourage you guys, like, let the Lord drop the lens down in front of your eyes with your gifting so that now when you are a part of the church and you're looking at the Facebook feed and you're walking through the building and just, just look for things. Because you'll notice running boards here that are just so scuffed up and st- so marked up that, man, just a coat of paint. Just need some white paint on those bad boys. We see children's ministry rooms that we're in the process. We'll be painting them soon. And you go in right now, and it's like for, for probably four years, those rooms have needed painting. Please be the one that's like, Rory, I've just kind of noticed it needs to be painted back there. Praise God. Where have you been? Let me kiss your hand. Construction work around here. There was a hole in the wall in the hallway in front of an entryway, a hole in the sheetrock for about eight months. Hey, could you fix, hey, could you fix this? Could you fix this? Could you fix this? Never, guess who fixed it? I'm not going to tell you because it's not a very good patch job and you might be critical, but still. (laughs) Man, come on, get, Come, we need help with the sheetrock. There's a piece of sheetrock out in here that uh, fell down and it crashed and it's all moldy and mildewy or something like that. I don't even know what's wrong with it. I need someone to... Okay? Practical stuff. Future building projects. Door repair. There We've been talking forever about this nursery back here and we need to expand it. We need to knock a door in there. Guess who did that? I'm not going to tell you because it's really bad work and it's all out of plumb and the door's not even going to fit in there. It's horrible. I'm talking to you contractors right now, so be convicted. No, I'm kidding. This is an old, this is an old list. I'm teasing. Brandon, you know I love you. I'm totally joking. I just looked over and saw you kind of hiding. And... Cleaning ministry janitorial 
parking lot that we share with other businesses that just have weeds growing up out of them and leaves and Man, let's get out there with some tools and some leaf blowers and let's be a witness to our community and that we share these parking lots with you and we take care of them. We need organizers here in this church. We need declutterers. People with the ministry of, I know how to put baskets together where these go here and this goes here and you put a label on it. That's like all I think about. I'm on Pinterest all the time just thinking about how this can look good. Please help me. Straighten up. Poor worship team, you know, they're up here and they get here early and you know they whip their guitar cases out and, and then you know and you know, man, I got a giant Mountain Dew right here or something, and you know, and it's like, okay, we're gonna get started, and there's still a case here, and there's this, that, and Johnny's Mountain Dew is like about to tip over or something. It's like, please be the one that's like, I see it, I see it, and I'm gonna those poor grass things are twelve years old. Let's I don't know what we do to bring those up. And you know, let's get the guitar cases and let's put them back there. And Johnny, here, let me help you, bro. Let me put that to where you like help us declutter and straighten up there's lost and found stuff that's been here for like 13 years and you know it as well as i do let's deal with those things thanks for playing as i share these things (laughs) makes it so much spiritual or are you a green thumb green thumbers We are on a sidewalk corner. Oh, help bring some beauty to our church in the spring. Can we build some flower boxes and can we get some color and some life and some, you know, electrician type folks. We need some lights outside at nighttime at this church. It is dark. I'm afraid for my life when I leave at night. I'm going to get mugged. We've literally had a guy from the bar fall asleep between our tires and the curb here, drunk after a service and we had to like hey brother i barely saw you i almost killed you because there's no light out here we need help with that decorators holidays this week people are going to be in here helping decorate trees we need trees someone that's like i can get trees and i've got a truck and i like making sure they're level when you put them up please We need trees this week and we need help putting the little lights on them and making them look good and decorating skills and talk to Cheryl and Linda because they're going to be doing that this week. Just decorations throughout the year around this place, all in um, art and wall decorations, the photography, the pictures out here are faded and um, they used to be black and white and now they're like white and some like gray. What is that? And the pictures of the kids in the hallway, it's like from... My kids, when they were babies, and man, some photographers, like, chick, 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 new kids, new pictures, and just come talk. Like, your gifting is just going to make it even more just full of life around here. I love Sandy, just like, hey, we're going to make the bulletin board and keep it updated, and it's going to be bright and full of color, and let's do that. Different gifts that we have, you know, we got Nate that works at Oaf Electric and just like, it's like talent slash gifts slash I see a need and I'm available and I work at Oaf and so, you know, I can get the light bulbs for you and I can do that. What's your connection? What do you have? On the worship team, some of you are talented musically and you're leaving us hanging. And the children need worship leaders, and the teens need worship leaders, and Wednesday night needs help with worship, and special music, and researching. We need so much help in our technology department here at the church. Whether it's with displaying things or getting the sound correct, you can meet with Dave and get plugged into that. 
We need major help in our website and social media upkeep. Major help in graphics design. We have a vision for video and live streaming ministries. And we need help with that. Networking is a, like, we're in dire straits with our networking here. Computer maintenance, major problems here at the church with computer stuff. Office administration, tons of help needed in office administration. Tons of help needed in outreach, trying to develop a global discipleship team. We want to keep Afghanistan before your guys' mind all week long. Can anybody help me keep some video or some news feed or some update? What's going on in Afghanistan? That's been put before the body many times. And it's like cricket, cricket, cricket. Like somebody can look online and get some news and what's happening. How can we be praying for Afghanistan? And if the Lord puts that on your heart today, go and help with our global discipleship team. And leadership here at the church, we're not, we don't have shut doors as far as who can be elders. Man, if you have a heart to be an elder, you have a good desire there. Come talk to us. We'll get you on that path. Being on the financial board with some of your skills. We need ushers, core group leaders, home group leaders. Please, can anybody, does anyone have a home group we can meet in? Cricket, cricket, cricket. So who opens up their home? We're happy to. Everybody, I want you guys to have that blessing. It's a major blessing. Hospitality ministry, rooms for rent, meals, giving people rides, helping prep communion, baking the communion bread. We do it ourselves and it's delicious. Have two or three. No, I'm kidding, don't. One. Make the coffee. Be a greeter. Be part of the welcoming crew. Invite new people out to lunch their first Sunday here. It will speak volumes of our love as a church to them. Be part of the helping hands ministry, the moving crews, the help and maintenance crew, vehicle maintenance for people. Children's ministry needs tons of help. The generosity ministry needs tons of help. Be a giver with liberality. Use your tools and resources. We're going to have snow dumped here. Bring your snowblower down. Bring your quad. All the deep snow here, it takes forever to do with a shovel. Just come down. We're done. Praise God. Did you see Jesus show up when that showed up? I did. You guys, there's so much. There's a kaleidoscope. You know how Peter said it's a manifold, the manifold grace of God. Like, even by laying that all out, even within those categories, there's subcategories and subcategories of subcategories. Your gifts are so unique and awesome. I just can't even begin. I'm just kind of sharing. Here's these needs and use your, your talents and your giftings that God is sh showing you. And it will be a major building of this church. And we will begin to become what God desires us to be as a local church. I'm excited for it, you guys. And man, I even still have ways to grow. And I'm doing things that aren't my gifting. That man, once I kind of hand that over, man, it's, whew, finally, that's so much better that way. So let's go ahead and stand together. And this morning as we close in song, and I hope that there's a, a loving level of great conviction on hearts today that that maybe the Lord's just showing you and you just have been neglecting 
service in this local church. You've been ignorant of any sort of spiritual gift. But I'm loving you enough to tell you that and I've got something for you today. We thank you, Lord, for the manifold grace of God. We thank you for Jesus and what he's done and how when he descended and ascended, he gave gifts to men. We thank you that those gifts are given to every saint, every Christian, so that there would be unity, so that there would be truth, so that there would be edification in the church. I just felt this morning that today would be a day that during this last song, if you just feel like, man, I just, I know I'm just called to serve and I just don't even know how or what, I want to pray over you this morning. I believe that God wants to just give gifts in a special way today. He wants to reveal and he wants to equip for the service so as we sing just one of the first verses of this song, I just would ask you to come down here. We'll have the elders down here. And we just want to lay hands on you and pray for you for gifts of the Spirit. Just for today to be a pivotal moment in your life where you're shown the manifold grace of God in your life and how it's to be used even within this church. God has made you uniquely you for these purposes and like Esther for such a time as this. And if you just would like to know, hey, what are my gifts? If you want to make yourself available today for the Lord to give you gifts, if you want to respond to the word of God this morning and say, Lord, I believe you when you say that you are the head and that we are the members, and that every joint is to supply and to do its share. And so, Lord, I just want to respond to your word today and say, Lord, show me. Give me gifts. Plug me in. Come forward if that's you. Respond to the word today if that's you. Believe today that the Lord will pour out gifts, the gift of the Spirit today in this place. He will manifest himself and he will distribute gifts as he wills today. We're going to sing through the chorus a couple times and then we'll pray over individuals and then we'll move to just a final chorus and taking communion together this morning.